Welcome to the Grappling Discourse Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scaff. Today, I want to talk about the differences between a tournament and a super fight. We've had a lot of guys go out and compete here recently. It has been so much fun to watch and to be around. They've been going out, collecting some serious highlights, winning some medals and belts, And most importantly, they've been testing themselves as martial artists. I couldn't be more proud. Now, there's an event coming up in Memphis that is an all-super fight card. So it's a a first-time promotion, and the entire event is super fights. And we've got a bunch of guys either already matched to have matches on that card or that are trying to get on that card. Now, the promotion is being run by one of my good buddies, Jamie Houston. I love Jamie Houston. This dude is a beast of a black belt. He's a black belt out of Memphis Judo and Jiu-Jitsu. He's competed all over the country. He's won gold medals, I believe, at every single rank for the IBJJF. I mean, this dude's probably got a whole closet full of IBJJF medals. But Jamie Houston is most known for his work in the MMA scene in the Southeast. He runs one of the most successful MMA promotions. He's had a bunch of UFC fighters fight for him. I know Bryce Mitchell has fought for him a handful of times, Eric Anders, and a couple of others. Um, he, He really is a major player in the Southeastern MMA scene. And so I'm really excited to see his first attempt at a grappling promotion. At least I believe this is his first attempt. I'm almost positive it is. But I'm excited to see what he puts together because he runs a phenomenal MMA promotion and I would love to see him have a successful grappling show that was, you know, it's pretty near us. He's a guy that I really trust and really like and it would just be awesome for our students to have the ability to compete as a grappler underneath him. I would love it if he did a show every couple of months, maybe every three to four months, but we'll see. But we've got a bunch of guys competing on this card up in here in Memphis. I know of at least five of our guys that have super fights on this card, and I know there's a couple of others that are still trying to get on, and they've been asking me a ton of questions. I've had at least four or five different people ask me questions about it, like what's the difference between super fights? Am I ready to do a super fight? Does it matter about my belt rank? Should I try and do a belt rank up? Should I take a match with somebody that weighs more than me? Should I try and cut weight for this event? What's the deal with super fights? I've competed in tournaments before, but never done a super fight. What's the difference? Now, obviously, in both tournaments and super fights, there's a level of professionalism um, that can be in play. I mean, there's super high-level professional events that are tournament-based, and then you've obviously got super fight cards that are, you know, not anybody can do. So ADCC is the pinnacle of the tournament scene. It is uh, five 16-man brackets and then two female brackets, and not anybody can do it. You either have to be one of the eight people that won an ADCC qualifier, or you have to be invited by the ADCC staff. Now... EBI is another really, really big tournament. Same thing. You have to be invited by Eddie Bravo. Who's number one is pretty much become the premier super fight card. A couple of weeks ago, we saw some phenomenal matches highlighted by the 
Mikey Musumichi and Gio Martinez drama. I may talk about that in another episode, but that's kind of the pinnacle of the super fight scene. You've got Third Coast and Kasai and, and a couple of others, Polaris, that also have some have had some phenomenal super fights. And I'm pretty sure they've paid their guys pretty damn good money to go out there and have one-off matches. Today's episode, though, I really want to focus on the white, blue, and purple belts. The guys that have competed a handful of times and they're not quite sure, again, what the differences are and how they should prepare and what type of match they should even take when they're looking to match up for a super fight. So the first thing that I really want to say, this goes out to any of you guys that have competed less than five times. I would even say maybe five to eight times. Your first five to eight competitions, I would recommend that it is a tournament, that you do it in a tournament format. Whether it is a local tournament, like it's maybe it's an in-house tournament at your own gym, I count that. If it's an in-house tournament at your own gym, that counts. A tournament at another local gym, so you jump into one of their in-house tournaments, or you do like a Naga, Grappling Games, New Breed, one of those. And there's a couple of reasons for this. The first being that all eyes aren't going to be on you. So when you go to these tournaments, they generally have 8 to 12 different mats or mat, uh, or I should say rings where the competitors compete at. And so you are not the only person competing. They're not calling your name. They're not, you know, you're not having a walkout song. You're not, you know, all, all eyes aren't on you. It's pretty much pure chaos. If you ever go to a new breed or a Naga, I mean, it's pure chaos. There's kids matches going on, teenage matches, gi matches, no gi matches. Half the time, you have no idea when one of your students are competing. You'll just look up and you'll see one of your comp students competing on mat one, one of your students competing on mat eight, and it's really tough to keep track of everybody. In my opinion, it is the least pressure situation. Like when you're competing, you'll kind of realize like after you've done a bunch of different events, like going and competing at a new breed, it's the least amount of pressure. A nog is the least amount of pressure you can put on yourself. I actually found that I was more nervous for in-house tournaments because there'd usually only be like one or two or three matches going on at a time compared to the times that I did like new breeds and nagas and, and tournaments like that because again, there was just so much going on. There were constantly matches going on, not just mine. And you just kind of made you realize, like, look, nobody's really watching me. They're, and if they are watching me, they, they might only watch for 30 seconds, and then their eyes are going to be towards their teammate or towards a more exciting match or whatever it is. And I think you can really get a lot of good competition experience. You're going to get to have multiple matches, and I think that's very important the first handful of times you compete. You don't want to go out there and just have one match. Now, sometimes it does happen in the tournament format. You go to a Naga and there's only one other person in your division. But even then, they'll usually do a best of three. They'll usually ask you if you want to go up 10 pounds. Like, hey, you know, we've got a bracket that's 10 pounds heavier than yours that has seven people in it. Do you want to be the eighth? And they'll usually work with you to give you as many matches as they can. Like, that's reasonable. I mean, they're not going to just bump you up like, hey, you're a blue belt. Do you want to go against these three black belts? They need somebody. Like, usually they'll just do a 10-pound difference. Or, you know, occasionally they will do an experience. So, hey, like, you're a beginner. Um, but we saw on your card that you've been training two years. Do you want to jump up into the intermediate? You'll get more matches. 
And I always recommend my guys to do that. Who cares about the weight during the tournaments? Like if you want to do an absolute, please jump into the absolute bracket. Get as many matches as you can. Those losses really don't matter, in my opinion. The Naga losses, the new breed losses, like they don't really matter. They're mostly for experience. Now, obviously, if you go out and you win a stacked Naga expert division and you win a belt, like that's pretty impressive. But most of the time at those things, you know, that's not what's going on. Usually it's like one or two people in your bracket, especially in the expert divisions. The biggest brackets are usually like the adult absolute beginner division. There might be 20 guys. And so winning that would be a hell of an accomplishment. Winning that intermediate absolute is a hell of an accomplishment. But for the most part, go out and do it for the experience. Now, a lot of times at these local tournaments too, they will have a rule set that really caters to white and blue belts in the sense that there are no heel hooks, there's no twisting joint locks, there's just going to be things you can and can't do. Usually the matches are shorter length. So when you go to a Naga and you're in the beginner division or the novice division, your matches are only four or five minutes. And now some people will complain about that, but I think that's a phenomenal idea because a lot of the guys that are coming out and competing you know, for their first couple of times, they're going to have that huge adrenaline dump. And they're going to find that a six-minute match feels like it's 40 minutes. And so I really like those short matches that Naga has for the newer guys. Because, again, I think it really, um, you know, that adrenaline dump is real. And the first couple of times you compete, you're going to have it. And each time you compete, you'll find it's a little bit less and to the point where you really don't have an adrenaline dump. But, man, if you've never experienced one, like, you'll be shocked. In 30 seconds, you'll be completely gassed. I mean, it's happened to me a couple of times in my white and blue belt days, and it was just an awful feeling. It makes you kind of feel helpless out there. Your arms aren't working. You just you feel all the blood rush everywhere. It's, it's just a horrible experience. And I think it's really important to do that in a tournament format rather than a super fight. Now, the tournament format also, I don't really think you like represent your team. Like it just doesn't really matter as much. Like you, if you're going out and representing Gracie Baja or 10th Planet or Atos and you go out to a local Naga, like it, no, nobody's really judging the school based on that. But when you go to a super fight, again, you got to realize like whenever the card comes out, your team name is right next to your name. So the card is being like, uh, so if you think about like a UFC fight card, like a super fight card, they're going to have all the names, right? All the matches in a row. So they'll usually have a main event, which will be two high level black belts going at it. And then all the way down to their lowest experienced grapplers. Well, those lowest experienced guys still, like, I mean, they're pretty much having the same experience as the professional grapplers, except they might not be getting paid. But they're still going to have their walkout music. They're still having their pictures taken. They're still having... Um, um, they're still going in there and all eyes are on them. There's no other matches going on. They're saying your team name. Usually there's commentators at this event that are talking about your performances. 
At tournaments, there's not commentators. So you can't go back and listen. Like if you have a terrible performance, you, can, you don't, it's not like you can go back and like listen to some commentator, like some black belt, like basically just say that you suck. Because, you know, like if you go out there and lose in 30 seconds in a tournament, do something really dumb, like you're not going to have some commentator kind of blast you on air. But in these super fights, like that's a real thing. Like you go out there and if you perform pretty badly, like you might get, you might have a guy kind of criticize your grappling. And I, I really think it's something that, that people need to be kind of aware of that super fights are just a little bit higher level. There's a little bit more meaning that goes into them. And I really think it's for, it should be for more experienced grapplers, guys that have competed a, a few different, a few times. Again, I would recommend at least five times. And I also would want my guys um, to compete, like if maybe they competed a bunch of white and blue belt, but they're a purple belt and they're wanting to do a super fight. Like I, I would have wanted them to do a tournament or, you know, some competition format within at least the past year preferably the past six months just so they don't have that gas out they don't have that adrenaline dump in front of everybody they don't go out there and just put on a bad performance because they they haven't competed in a long time to me super fights are it's the best time to kind of showcase your best work your best game it's a great opportunity to really make a statement and to really open some people's eyes. But you need to be training for that. You need to be ready for that. If you're just training once a week or you're training every other week, like you don't need to be doing super fights. Go and enter as many Nagas as you want to. Go win, lose at Naga, no big deal. Go have fun. But super fights, you should treat it seriously. You should treat it like you are the main event black belt. Because again, all eyes are going to be on you for however long your match is taking place. And I don't want anybody to go out there and have a really, really bad showing. And I've done a handful of super fights. I've had a couple of phenomenal performances that really uh, got me a lot of clout, you know, online people messaging me and saying how awesome I was. But I had one really, really bad experience where I lost pretty quickly. And I also had a couple of people kind of talk trash about me saying, uh, I knew he wasn't as good as everybody was saying. Now, I was the main event of that uh, event, and I was going against a really, really high-level black belt that had competed at ADCC. He was a little bit bigger than me, but no excuses. He beat me pretty handedly. I was a brown belt at the time, and I think he was a, f I mean, he had been a black belt maybe, like, maybe even longer than I'd been training. But I was coming in with some hype. And I really thought I was going to go in there and win that match. But instead, I got highlighted. And I recovered. No big deal. I was back to training the, pretty much the next day. But it still sucked. There still was a bunch of people watching that. If it had happened at a tournament, nobody would have cared. But since it was the main event of a, a pretty big promotion, pretty decent-sized promotion, a bunch of people saw it. And... Not, again, my best look. Definitely not my best moment in grappling. And I, it's just something that I want white and blue belts to just kind of be aware of. While it's really cool to do those events, I think there is a little bit on the line for your team. There's a little bit on the line for yourself. Again, nobody really cares if, uh, you know, a 10th Planet Decatur student goes out and 
you know, loses at a Naga, you know. But if 10th Planet Decatur student goes out or three of them go out and get crushed at a local super fight event, then it just makes the gym, like, makes us look just a little bit bad. It's definitely not the best look for your gym. Now, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter, right? That's more of an ego thing. But ego is important. Like, you want people to respect your gym. You want people to respect your grappling. Now, I hate when they say, oh, martial arts shouldn't have an ego. No, they should just have a healthy ego. You should want to represent your school and yourself to the best of your ability. And to me, that means that super fights should be left to, you know, people that are going out there, whether you are a white belt. If you're a white belt and you're training multiple times a week, you've competed a a couple of different times, you feel comfortable competing, maybe you wrestled growing up, go out and do a super fight. Go do your thing. If they're looking for white belts to have super fights, go do your thing. But if you're a white belt looking to just kind of do your maybe your second tournament and you train only once or twice a week and you're not real serious about your training, super fights aren't, you're not quite ready for a super fight. You should continue to stick with tournaments. You're not missing anything. Look, you're not missing anything. You're actually going to be doing yourself a favor and having a better experience at the tournament. Now, nothing is better, though, than winning a super fight. Because, again, all eyes are on you, whether that's 50 eyes or 1,000 eyes. Everybody's cheering for you. Everybody just saw you submit that guy. Hopefully you submitted him. It wasn't some ref's decision or point victory. But you just submitted somebody in front of everybody that was there. Afterwards, everybody's coming up to you telling you how awesome you are. But same thing. When you lose, all eyes were on you. Everybody's kind of giving you that like, hey, man, I'm sorry. Or, man, you tried your best out there. And it leads to also a rough night. So however awesome the winning the um, super fight is, losing a super fight and then having to be at the event the rest of the day or rest of the night, it kind of sucks. <laughs> it kind of sucks. So that's my recommendation to you guys. Now, weight-wise and like should you go up a belt level, in my opinion, personally for myself, I would never compete more than 15 pounds bigger than me in a super fight. That super fight that I lost real bad, when the guy submitted me in like a minute, minute and a half, uh, he outweighed me by, I think, about 10 pounds, maybe 15. I mean, he was cutting some serious weight. Now he competes in the heavyweight division. But at the time, he was cutting weight, and he did a few EBIs at, I can't remember what the lowest weight he did at EBI was. But this dude was, again, quite a bit bigger than me. I mean, he competed at ADCC, I think, at the 99 kilogram. And so he cut some weight to, to make one. I think we fought at 165. I was mostly competing at 45 and 55 at the time, but I was walking around about 157. So I'm just imagining I was giving up at least 10 to 15 pounds, maybe 20. But it was a big opportunity. I would never go over 15. Now, some guys don't really care, but the more experienced the grappler, you'll kind of know, like, do you like giving up 20 pounds? Like, you might be really long-limbed. I think the longer you are, the more weight you can give up. I've seen guys like Elijah Carlton just smoke dudes that are 30, 40 pounds bigger than them, and length has a lot to do with it. Guys are always kind of shocked by guys like, uh, you know, Elijah's length or like a Daniel O'Brien or, you know, guys like that that are over six feet tall, they've got long legs and arms, you're going to be able to, um, you know, just compete better against bigger opponents. 
But if you're kind of shorter, stockier, you're average like me, I, I wouldn't recommend anything over 15. And it doesn't mean you shouldn't take it. Like if you're a guy that's 160 pounds and you're super confident in your grappling, you're like Gary Tonin and you want to go against Paul Horace, do your thing. But again, Gary Tonin was a veteran. He had been through hundreds of wars in the competition scene. If you don't have that, then again, I would recommend staying at your weight. Same thing with belt level. Like if you're a purple belt, you've been going out there, you've tapped black belts at local competitions and a promotion's wanting you to go out there and fight a brown or black belt, go do it. Go do your thing. That's what happened with me a couple of different times. I had super fights at purple, brown, and brown belt against guys that were black belts. And I ended up beating uh, and winning those matches. But it's because I, I'd, I was competing a bunch and I'd already beaten a couple of brown and black belts in competition. So the promotions, you know, they wanted to test my skills uh, against a higher level dude. And so if the promotion is asking you to take a match with a high level guy and you have a competition victory against a that belt rank. So if you're a blue belt and you've beaten some purple belts in competition, then yeah, go take a super fight against a purple belt. But again, if you don't have a lot of competition experience and you're kind of wanting to, oh, I'm a blue belt, but I want to fight a purple belt. I, but I've been a blue belt for a couple of years. Well, how many purple belts have you beaten in competition? If it, the answer is none, then you shouldn't fight a purple belt. Even if the promotion's asking you to, I would say no. Like, I'd just be like, no, like, you need to beat your own belt rank. Wait to fight purple belts until you're a purple belt, unless you have that on your resume. If you don't, and stick with your belt level. Stick with your experience level. Too often, guys, I think use super fights as kind of an excuse. You know, like they'll try and fight somebody like way more experienced to them or a belt rank higher than them. So if they win, right, obviously it's an awesome look for them. Kind of says, hey, I'm ready for my next belt. But if they lose, they can kind of go, well, I was giving up weight. I was giving up a belt rank. I was giving up a this and that doesn't really count. If I fought somebody my skill and my size, I would have won. That's what they say to, in their head. And maybe they even tell their buddies that. The last thing you want to do when you compete is give yourself an out. You do not want to give yourself any opportunity to have an excuse. You even kind of hear myself, if I'm being honest, I still kind of looks back to that match I lost by a minute and a half and I'm like, ugh. I make excuses for myself all the time in that match. I mean, I very rarely ever think about that match, but anytime it's brought up or I think about it, there is kind of like, well, he he's, he had been grappling like way longer than me and he was bigger than me and he was like all this stuff. And it's like, dude, shut up. You lost the match. And I just don't want that to happen to you guys. Just some real talk. Yes, it's awesome when you're the purple belt beating black belts, but it's real lame when you're the purple belt that loses to a black belt and you use excuses like that to kind of make yourself feel better. But I hope that um, helps. As always, look, guys, I'm not saying that, hey, you've competed three times, you shouldn't do a super fight. Like, go out there and do your thing. That's just what I would say and recommend. That's what I'd say to a student of mine. That's what I would recommend to anybody that came up and asked me. So if you guys were like, hey, I've competed three or four times, but I haven't competed in a year. Should I do this super fight card coming up? I would say, no, I would I would first do a tournament first. If there's a tournament you can do right before that, like a couple weeks before that, I would do that one and then the super fight. Super fights... Regardless, if you're getting paid for it, to me, they're just a little bit more professional. 
There's way more eyes on you. And I want you guys to go out there and have performance that you're proud of and, you know, that, that, that really makes a statement about your level of grappling. Until next time, guys, I love and appreciate you. I cannot wait to watch TJ Dillashaw fight. I think TJ comes back and just looks amazing. We'll see, though. Peace.